Oh my gosh, we're back. Listen, if you're a subscriber or today's guest, I deeply apologize for what has become an unexpected hiatus. We've been off the rails for two months while I've relearned how to manage my time, combining podcasting with my theater schedule and work schedule and everything else. Also, there was some COVID, unexpected travel in there. Uh, Life happened, but we're back. And our guest is worth the wait. We're talking to Frederick Corey, prop builder, fabricator, and all-around awesome cosplayer. And we're discussing a terrific Wonder Woman episode that turned out to be much more than it seemed. So let's get right to the breakdown before I have one, right here on Wonder Woman Wednesdays. When an ambitious Nazi trains an ape to do her bidding, an enemy informant's life is in the balance when it's Wonder Woman versus Gargantua. And we're going ape. We're going ape. I'm here with Frederick. Frederick Corey, how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. Um, Before we jump into the episode, and I just gave you like an outline of what we're going to do, and now I'm already going to do something different. Uh, I did want to... I want you to introduce yourself, you know, say a little bit about who you are and and what you do, and then we'll jump into the episode. Well, my name is Frederick Corey, and I, I make props mostly. And for most props that I make, I make those props and look at them like, I can do something else with those props. and end up making the entire outfit based on that prop. That's cool. So you start, so whenever you do a cosplay, you start with the props and then kind of build the outfit around that. That's right. That is very cool. Okay. Well, we're going to talk more about that, but we're going to talk about Gargantua because I think I think Gargantua <laughs> needs to be talked about. Uh, did you see the episode? Uh, a few times, yes. Okay, okay. Um, I watched it. I have to admit, I it's been a long time since I've seen this episode, and I just reviewed it uh, for this conversation, and... It surprised me. Um, I mean, I'll get into the details, but uh, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I thought I thought it was going to be kind of goofy, and it is goofy in places, but it, I was really touched by this episode. And I'll tell you why as we get to the end, because it's really the last, I don't know, the last 15, 10 or 15 minutes that I just, I just, you know, I just kept going, wow, this is really moving. Uh, so, but first, before it gets moving, <laughs> we start out, we start out in what, what's called, um, Nazi controlled Africa, which is sort of a generic, they just sort of zoom in on a map of Africa, some kind of old timey map. And they wind up, I think in the Congo area. And then we see what's supposed to be the jungle. And we see Wonder Woman going through the brush and then this ape appears and let me just say that this this ape gargantua as we find out later is played by mickey morton and again i i thought he was just some dude in an ape suit but he's i i really started to appreciate his acting towards the towards the end especially in his eyes they used some of the um what i i'm guessing is planet of the apes technology for this uh, outfit at least the mask it, it seemed better than some of the you know some of the late 60s stuff 
uh, where they just have a gorilla mask. You know, he could articulate the mouth a little bit and you could really see his eyes. And so I thought that was nice. And and so Mickey Morton, who's a super tall guy, I didn't write it down, but I, th- I think he's like six foot seven or something like that. And he's got both Star Trek and Star Wars cred, believe it or not. He was Klug in the Gamesters of Triskelion on the original Star Trek. And also he played Mala the Wookiee in the Star Wars Christmas special, the infamous Star Wars Christmas special that was so bad, you know, once it was broadcast, nobody wanted to see it again. Have you ever seen it? Yes, I've seen it. <laughs> is it is it every bit as wonderful and terrifying as they say? Uh, yes, I I purchased it for my friend for like a VHS copy back in 1996. Wow. And he he enjoyed Star Star Wars, and I, I bought it for him, and it's like, here, you got to see this. And and what did he, did he give you his review of it? Oh yeah, he's like, I need to watch this. Thank you. <laughs> well, I've heard stories, but I don't believe I've watched the whole thing. I did see, uh, they had some of the Star Trek or the Star Wars characters on the Muppet Show, and I saw that. And and that was, if that's any indication, they should just keep these characters probably in the movies and and not do the TV specials, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I digress. We're talking about Gargantua here. Gargantua attacks Wonder Woman in this first scene. And and Wonder Woman, uh, you know, before before he's able to get the better of her, she's got some kind of whistle. Right. And she's and she blows the whistle and stops him. And then she goes all Mission Impossible and pulls off some kind of mask. And it turns out it's not Wonder Woman at all. It's a woman in a Wonder Woman outfit and a very convincing disguise. So and this lady turns out to be uh, uh, Erica Belgard, and she is a Nazi who trains animals. She's an animal behavioral specialist. In fact, we find out later that her dad, her dad was a, a famous, world famous behavioral animal animal behavioral specialist, and uh, she's played by Gretchen Corbett, who uh, is lovely, and she was in tons of stuff, and and she's actually still working, like still busy. She, I mean, she goes way back to a TV movie called Let's Scare Jessica to Death. One of her more recent. Uh, probably the most recent, I think, uh, credit is the movie Pig with Nicolas Cage in 2021, like just two years ago. I have not seen the movie, but it looks, I I did watch the trailer and it actually looks really cool. So anyway, uh, so it turns out this lady is training Gargantua to attack Wonder Woman. That's why she was dressed up as Wonder Woman. Uh, That's why she had the disguise on. And uh, she feels like he is ready. He's ready for work. And uh, her interest in getting Wonder Woman is like her own sort of pet project, so to speak. But she's actually waiting for orders to see what to do with Gargantua. And sure enough, orders come through and she's told that they need to go to the States and get one of their agents that's been captured. And they want to steal him back because they're afraid He's giving information to the Americans, which, to be honest, is absolutely true. That's what's happening. So and her 
apparent superior, although she doesn't behave like he's a superior, uh, is uh, Robert Loggia. He plays Hans Eichler. And of course, Robert Loggia, uh, you know, he's you've seen him everywhere. He's been in big Scarface, Independent, Independence Day, uh, Preetzi's Honor, even Psycho 2, which I enjoyed much more than I thought I would. Uh, I'm a big uh, horror fan at times. <laughs> and the original Psycho is one of my favorites. I'm a big fan of uh, B-movies myself. Oh, yeah? So what's your favorite B-movie? Other than our Army of Darkness. Oh, Army of Darkness, yeah. Evil uh, Dead and then the Evil Dead remake. Oh, so have you seen have you seen the remake that just came out? Uh no, I haven't yet. That's exciting. I've I've seen a couple of trailers. Honestly, the demons, or I guess they're called deadites, is that right? In yep. in the Evil Dead movies, scare the crap out of me. Like I can't I can't even really look at those trailers of the new of the new Evil Dead. I just, I just, you know, close those, um, those posts when they, when they cross my, my Twitter feed because they're, they're just freaky, man. I I don't know what they do with those demons, but, uh, there's something about it that just freaks me out. Ever since, uh, he did the ring, it just keeps getting scarier and scarier. Yeah. Okay. So where the heck was I? We're, we're in Africa. <laughs> All right. So we find out that they've got to go to the States, right? And sure enough, the agent that they're concerned about is sitting there talking to Steve, spilling everything. He's like, these are all our locations. You know, he's like giving everything away. And this guy, his name is Conrad Steigler. And he's played by John Hillerman, who is best known as Higgins on Magnum P.I. And uh, he he was also in a very Brady sequel. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he doesn't have his, his signature mustache in, in this one. But but yeah, he's he's good old Higgins. So he's giving everything away, right? Outside of the interrogation room, Diana and General Blankenship are sort of giving a little more exposition to the audience about, you know, what's going on. In the meantime, Gargantua has now moved to the States in, in the disguise of a circus gorilla. Like he is basically still Gargantua, but he's in a cage, and Gretchen Corbett, Erica, is uh, is also there at the uh, circus as some kind of, I don't, I want to say it's a showgirl outfit, but it's not a showgirl. If you're in the circus, you're, I mean, it's just a circus performer outfit, I guess. I don't know. You know, she's like one of those ladies that stands on the elephant, but they don't, they don't actually show what she had to learn how to do to blend into the circus, but. Um, you know, but she's already there plotting, you know, she's on the phone, uh, with, with headquarters. And then she, um, you know, goes and tells the guard who's a plant, uh, you know, that they're gonna, they're gonna grab Gargantua and, and, you know, go forward with their plan. Right. So they, they're, they're, um, their base of operations is at an oil refinery. They figure out where Higgins is being held. And he's in like a safe house at a hotel, right? So so they bring this truck over to this hotel and Higgins is up there. He talks to Steve briefly. Steve leaves. And and so the guys, you know, these it's Gargantua, uh, Erica, Hans, and one or two thugs with them, you know? And so they overcome a guard outside. And then she's like, 
you know, don't worry, check this out. And she like tweets her little whistle and Gargantua jumps out of the truck and starts scaling up the, uh, uh, the hotel. Oh, before he goes up though, he, he dispatches two other guards. Like he just, you know, knocks him into the dirt or whatever. And, uh, and so he starts climbing and he's going to just go up to the fourth floor, which is where Higgins is. And, you know, he's going to, he stands in the window, I guess, just to scare Higgins, right? <laughs> like Higgins is just sitting there reading a magazine. And then he gets the feeling there's something wrong. And he looks over his shoulder and he looks out the window and there's Gargantua just looking at him. <laughs> like, like Gargantua is smart enough to just, you know, before he jumps in, he's going to freak out Higgins. So <laughs> he just looks at him and then he crashes through the window and Higgins tries to throw a few things at him. And then uh, Gargantua throws Higgins uh, or some, you know, some unfortunate stunt stunt double. And no, no uh, table. That's right. That's right. The poor table. <laughs> and uh, a couple of guards come in and try to try to overcome Gargantua, but no dice. Uh, he. I forget what he does with the first one, but the second one, he just thumps in the chest and the guy falls backwards and breaks through the door. Like that was a pretty spectacular, uh, spectacular little stunt there. I loved it. And, uh, and so then uh, Gargantua grabs Higgins in the most uncomfortable way possible. Like he doesn't throw him over his shoulder. He doesn't cradle him. He kind of gets his arm around Higgins's neck and, and one of his arms. So he's like carrying him like a parcel under his arm. And then he starts climbing down and you can see that it's a dummy, at least in, you know, when, now that we have a nice HD picture and, and the dummy's not looking too great, but it's not terrible until he gets right to the ground you can kind of see the legs of the dummy sort of bend the wrong way as he, as he gets to the ground. Now you're a yeah, you're a prop that. guy. You're a prop guy. How would you how would you build a dummy? At least put some joints in certain parts of it. Yeah, like some like some skeletal structure, right? Right. That's the way to go. How would you by the way, how would you like if you had to build a dummy with with some kind of skeletal support, like what what materials would you use? Depends if I'm on a budget or I'm being pushed by the network to get it done quickly. Uh huh. Well, what's the what's the what's the shortcut? Paper. <laughs> Just roll up some paper. <laughs> paper and duct tape. Yes, <laughs> duct tape. All right. So he so he takes his paper and duct tape Higgins and hits the ground. And then they they switch the shot so they can get the real Higgins in there, and uh, uh, basically he just um, you know carries him off, and they're you know they've they take Higgins back to the oil refinery. Uh, Steve and Diana get there, and the guards explaining it's it was a gorilla, and immediately Steve's like, "Come on, man, <laughs> like pull yourself together. There was no gorilla," and Diana, as usual. You know, she can sense when people are telling the truth. She's like, uh, Steve, he's really frightened, but he's not making this up. There was a gorilla. So, uh, so of course, because Diana said it, Steve starts to believe her, right? So we go to the oil refinery and uh, Robert Loggia 
starts to question Higgins, uh, and he wants to leave. Logia, I should call him Hans. I'll I'll call him Hans by his name. Um, he wants to, you know, he, they've got Higgins. They're done. And he wants to get back. And Gretchen, uh, or, or Erica, I should say, Gretchen Corbett's the actress. Erica says, no, we're here. Let's get Wonder Woman. This is going to be so much better. And when she explains this to him, she has the craziest eyes. Like she is like, she is so into this idea. She's practically obsessed, I think, because like her eyes get enormous when she starts talking about capturing Wonder Woman. I mean, clearly, this is why she's here. I mean, she went to all the trouble of building a, a rubber mask of Linda Carter <laughs> when she was training the gorilla. So she must be obsessed. And, sh and she shows them, by the way, and then she shows them uh, proof of how effective Gargantua is going to be against Wonder Woman, but she's also proving how crazy obsessed she is. She has a giant cutout of Wonder Woman, and she and she and she toots her little whistle, and uh, Gargantua reaches out of his cage and grabs that giant cutout and just tears it to shreds. So no more cutout. Sorry. But we will see that, you know, she's got plenty of pictures of Wonder Woman that she can use. She, she uses them later. So uh, the next day, they're at the War Department. That's, you know, Steve's headquarters, right? And Linda, or I should say, uh, Diana and Etta Candy are talking. And there's a little, there's a little news story about Gargantua. And Etta makes a joke that that looks like her last date. You know, I love these little, like, you know, uh, little windows we get into Etta's personal life. You know, she doesn't get much but much screen time, but every now and then she talks about how difficult it is to find a good man, how hungry she is, and the fact that at least this one date looked like a giant ape. Which, you know, I don't know that that's too bad. And then, and then Diana makes the connection to the fact that Gargantua was missing and the fact that uh, Higgins was just liberated by what the the guard described as a giant ape. I mean, it's not, it doesn't take too much to put those two things together. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty clear. There's a connection, but, uh, but she makes the connection and then she sort of like she does, she delivers this info to Steve so he can maybe feel like maybe it's his idea. <laughs> you know, it's like, Ooh, that's, that's that's I think you're on the right track, Diana. What do you think of that dynamic? I mean, Diana's always coming up with the uh, the good info, and and Steve, you know, bless him, he he doesn't seem to have all the original ideas. He gets a lot of a lot of the ideas from her. Wouldn't you say? I think Wonder Woman knows what she's doing. Exactly, she's there for a purpose. By gosh, if you're going to leave Paradise Island, it better be for a darn good reason. But we need her. So, so at the hotel, Steve calls in this doctor, a big, big old animal behavioral specialist, just like Erica's father. And his name is Dr. Osmond. He just happens to be in the area. He just happens to work there near Washington, D.C. He is played by Herb Voland. And I got to tell you, Frederick, I am a MASH fanatic. So whenever anybody connected with MASH turns up in this show, I'm going to talk about it. And so Herb Voland was a big MASH player. He was, I mean, he was a, a a guest star, 
but he was on there for two seasons as uh, General Clayton. You know, they they sort of rotated over the 11 seasons through all these different generals, but I think they tried to keep them consistent as much as they could. And he was probably, I think, I think Herb Voland was the longest playing general that they had because he showed up, you know, over two seasons, which is pretty good. And by the way, speaking of MASH, I forgot to mention that this episode is written by a guy named David Ketchum. And he wrote one of the most popular MASH episodes ever called Tuttle, which is about an imaginary friend of uh, of Hawkeye's who he, you know, somehow makes into a real person uh, who gets back pay and everything. But that's another story. That's me on my MASH tangent. So uh, I'll get I'll get back to Wonder Woman here. So we're talking to Herb Voland, who is Dr. Osmond animal behavioral specialist. And so he looks at the, uh, you know, the layout, uh, what, what apparently happened in the hotel room. And he's like, yes, this was a gorilla. Like this guy's good. (laughs) He knows this must've been a gorilla and probably a well-trained gorilla. So they go back to the, uh, this guy's research lab and he confirms with some hair that he found that it's definitely a gorilla. And he also managed to get a footprint from outside because there was like a little construction area where there was some mud. And and he extrapolates from the footprint that the thing had to be like seven feet tall. So, so it's an enormous gorilla. It's got hair and it's been trained. So uh, he knows they're in trouble, right? So, and and I think it's Wonder Woman... I can't remember which scene, one of these scenes, Wonder Woman's there with Steve, and then suddenly Diana's there with Steve. And I I don't remember when it switches, but either Wonder Woman or Diana, you know, seems like she she feels like it's a little bit doubtful that you could train a gorilla uh, so specifically. And Herb Voland is like, oh, no, look here, man. And then he shows her how he's trained a chimp to walk away from his food. I don't know that that's a really good example of how how you could train a gorilla to find a specific person, go get him without killing him, and you know bring him back to your truck. That seems a little more complicated than just having the chimp walk away from his food. But I guess well, he he did add that he he was probably trained since he was a baby. That's a very good point. And Herb Volan's chimp, who knows how old he was? He was probably still young. Still working on that food. Still a growing chimp. <laughs> so, but that's a very good point. Yes, he did say they had a lot of time to train him. Oh, and and Diana says again, again, she sort of underscores the obvious. She thinks if they can find the ape, they might find Higgins, also known as Steigler. I keep calling him Higgins, but, and well, of course. I mean, he's the ape is the one that took Higgins. Why wouldn't why wouldn't that be obvious? But still, it looks like Steve, you know, needs a little help making these connections. So uh, he's like, that's a very interesting assumption, Diana. That's exactly what he says. I wrote it down because because that is I don't know. It's 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 either condescending or it's it's showing that he's really slow on the uptake like. You know, that's an interesting thought. Do you really think this ape that stole Higgins, if we find the ape, 
we might find Higgins. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a stretch. Then they then uh, Herb Voland reminds them that there's a substance on the gorilla hair that he found, and it's crude oil. And and then he says he says the word unrefined, and suddenly Steve is like, and here's where Steve gets his own idea. This is awesome. <laughs> I I just realized that. That's that's wonderful. Steve, I'm proud of you. So Steve Steve realizes, oh, a refinery. There's a refinery nearby and they 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 go through a couple of refineries and figure out which one it is. And um and so then he decides to go and and tells Diana to call Etta. And when when Diana does, Etta reminds her that this is incredibly dangerous. Again, I'm not sure why that isn't obvious uh, at the outset, but Etta reminds her, uh, Steve is heading for danger. So, of course, Diana turns into Wonder Woman. Right there, I I believe it's in the research lab. I don't know where Herb Voland went, but she felt confident enough that he was gone so she could just turn into Wonder Woman. And she does that beautiful Wonder Woman turn. I remember uh, Steve Trevor was like, this is too dangerous. You should stay back. Yeah. It's like, not this time, Diana. You just see her take off her glasses like, okay. Yep. So Wonder Woman gets to the oil refinery and they're expecting her. And in fact, uh, Erica says that she left the clue on purpose because she wanted to lead her there. And so again, she gets the crazy eyes because she's super excited that Wonder Woman has showed up and she, and she like, um, and she explains her plan like Wonder Woman comes in there and she sees Gargantua and she sees Higgins. And and then the Nazis come in and she kind of doesn't do anything. She just goes over to the Nazis and she's like, what are you doing? Have you been training this ape to be mean? Like the, you know, she's just she's just appalled at the way they're treating the ape. And it seems a little kind of silly right now because she's just walked into a a dangerous trap and she's just talking about ethics and, you know, animal treatment, but this, she's really serious about it. And, and later on in the episode, again, I just think it's so wonderful and moving because like, she's dead serious about this. Like, I'm not worried about you Nazis. I can fight you. I'm, I'm concerned that you're treating this ape poorly. And I want you to stop. So they they put a gun on Higgins and force Wonder Woman to go into this room. Wonder Woman's not quite sure why she's going in there. She kind of looks around. And then Erica toots her little whistle. And and Gargantua jumps out of the cage and, and gets into that room. And then we have Wonder Woman versus Gargantua. The first of two battles in this episode. And I got to say... It was pretty good. I mean, what did you think of like the the fight and the stunt work? It would remind me a lot of like the old spa movies. I had to look up uh, who was the composer for the music for that episode. Oh, did you did you find who it was? Artie Kane. Oh wow! Did you? And are, what other credits does does Artie Kane have? The only thing I've seen related to Mission Impossible was like the nineteen ninety six one. Oh wow! Well, I you know I didn't even think about the music in the in the fight scene, but but uh, I really did enjoy the fight scene, and the music probably had a lot to do with it. And the um, rest of the credits were Gunsmoke and a couple other 
really old shows. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of the folks, you know, in the in these Wonder Woman credits, some of them have uh, credits going way back into the 50s and of course the 60s and and there were so many westerns back then. Like I I can't even believe how many westerns there were. But people talk about that era like, you know, it was just it was westerns and science fiction. And that's that's kind of what was on TV and spy shows too. So they have their battle royale, right? So so they're fighting, and I forget. Uh, there, so there were two fights, and I'm I'm trying to remember what was what was specific about the first one and what was specific about the second one. In the first one, they're they're struggling with each other. They're kind of evenly matched. Uh, like he, you know, he tries to get her a few times, and she slips away. And she dodges him and that there's an arm wrestling move where he goes to hit her and she just stops his arm. And they have this great moment where she's just holding him back and he's looking at her like, how are you this strong? Like, you know, this is where you start to see that uh, Mickey Morton's serious. Like he's not just some guy in an ape suit. He's he's acting, you know, and and it's it's working. So they kind of come to a draw. I mean, he reaches from behind and sort of gets her. And then Steve and uh, another guard come in uh, because Steve has arrived to save the day after Wonder Woman's already there. Steve Steve arrives to save the day, which, and I shouldn't make fun of him because he did catch the two Nazis that ran outside. And um, he, uh, oh no, that's later. I'm sorry. He doesn't catch the Nazis. He gets there a little late, but, but he's there to stop the fight with Gargantua and Wonder Woman. And they're going to fire, you know, they pull out their guns, Steve and this other guard. And uh, Wonder Woman's like, no, don't shoot him. And and one of them takes a shot, uh, the guard takes a shot, and she deflects it with her um, bracelet. And then Gargantua pushes her out of the way, and the guard takes a second shot and hits Gargantua in the arm. And then she goes over and comforts him, and she even, in her kindness makes an excuse for the guard. She's like, that guard didn't know. You know, he didn't know that he didn't have to shoot at Gargantua, even though she said, don't shoot. (laughs) But anyway, so she wraps his arm and Gargantua's looking at her like, you're really nice. Like, I really like you. Like, he's bonding with her, you know? And uh, now, were you, when you were watching this, did you... Did you see those acting moments with Gargantua? Yeah, I did. When I first saw it happen, I was wondering what type of officer Diana Prince was, because I never could remember what rank she was. So I looked it up, and some of the issues said she was a nurse. Right. Well, she she had started in the pilot as a nurse, and then uh, I think they gave her the rank of lieutenant, maybe, and then they changed it to yeoman. And I think she was then a yeoman for the rest of the first season. Like an air, uh, I, I want to say Air Force, but that can't be right because a yeoman is a Navy person. Uh, can you tell I've not been in the military? The only um, thing I know about ranks is uh, things I've seen from Stargate and Star Trek. Yes, that's, that's where I get my background. Star Trek, MASH, uh, a little bit of Stargate, you know, just enough to make me think I know what I'm talking about. And then when pressed for it, I'm utterly confused. So, (laughs) but I know they call her yeoman a lot. 
<laughs> so so I'm pretty sure that's her that's her rank for most of the first season. And then I think in this in the second and third season because it's present day and it's more of a like a spy agency that she's like a government like a CIA type of thing. I don't know what it's supposed to be. Uh when I get into those seasons I'll figure it out, but <laughs> but anyway, I don't think she has an official rank there. I think she's just agent Diana. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention when when Steve and the guards get there to save the day, I don't know if you noticed this, but the shot where the cars pull up is in fast motion. Like they they, they wanted, I, I think they wanted us to really feel like these guys were zipping in there because because the cars you can't really tell when the cars are moving, but they pull right up to the gate and like and then stop on a dime, and it's a really weird kind of. It's it's a little strange looking. You, I didn't catch it the first time. And then Steve gets out of the car, and I think the director told him, "Get out of the car in slow motion because we're going to speed this shot up." And so they do. They shot it at a slower frame rate, so the whole thing has to be, you know, at different speeds. So when they pull up, Steve does this awkward kind of walk out of the car. Which, again, it's it it almost looks normal, but there's just something about it that's a little weird, until you realize that he had to do it in slow motion because they were they were filming it in such a way that it would speed up, and I I don't know why they did that exactly. I guess you know because they have a long shot of the vehicles approaching, and uh, it would probably take a long time I, and i guess they wanted to show the urgency of it anyway it was just a weird little shot that i noticed but uh it wasn't that bad but it was still a little strange so anyway so now the nazis have escaped but they've got gargantua uh which makes wonder woman happy and and so now they're at the research lab and this is what i was thinking when when um when wonder woman's there this is the first time wonder woman i believe is at the research lab and and she explains to the the doctor there uh, herb voland that um on paradise island we live in peace with all animals even the ones that you think of as ferocious and i think that's a beautiful sentiment but i'm not sure i believe her <laughs> i mean i mean have you read the comic books i i have because they they spend more time explaining paradise island in the comics and so i'm just curious if if that sounds right to you that that i mean because what she's implying is like you know a, a tiger for example or a lion is is uh is not gonna mess with anybody like we get along with all these animals and does that sound right to you they never really go into it on the comics <laughs> They just they just kind of opt out of this, you know, because because this has implications. I mean, I don't want to get, you know, too far into it, but she is so passionate about caring about every kind of animal. I have to believe that she would have trouble eating meat. And I I don't know that there's evidence of that. I mean, I haven't I haven't made a study of what Diana or Wonder Woman eats when there's when whenever they shoot them eating i mean i don't know when they eat i do know that somewhere in the future episodes she's at a dinner party 
So when that happens, I'm going to keep an eye on what she eats because I, I mean, I feel like she's very passionate about this philosophy and it's great because you can see it. There's other episodes where like, she's talking to a dog, you know, like she's serious about her animals and it's awesome. Uh, but I just wonder like, what are the further implications of that? Um, and if they actually get into them in this, you know, seventies TV show, probably not. Probably I'm I'm overthinking the whole thing. It is that true, Frederick? I'm just I'm, I'm overthinking it. I'm remembering oh. Cersei and I'm, how she turns every uh, couple of the Amazons into pigs. Oh my gosh! Tell me more about that. Yeah, you know how Ares comes and um, messes with the Amazons. Cersei does something similar, but her magical powers is turning people into pigs. Whoa! And does she turn? Uh, Diana into a pig? I don't know if that happened in one of the comics. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read them all. Wow. That is, I mean, that's harsh. I, I hope they got turned back. But on the other hand, oh. like on Paradise Island, they treat their animals well. So even if you're a pig, you're you're going to do okay. <laughs> even the uh, the board game that came out, her power was turning the Amazons into pigs. Wow. <laughs> that... They should have. They should have uh, done something with that on the show. Maybe, yeah. maybe that was going to be in the fourth season. Who knows? <laughs> maybe she'll come out in the next movie. Yes, yes, absolutely. I hope there's a next movie. I mean, do you think there's going to be? Yeah, of course. Okay, because there was there was one in the planning, and uh, something happened with that, right? Or was it just that they they didn't want Patty Jenkins involved? Because I, I guess Patty Jenkins got booted or something. Did she? I. That's what I. Well, that's what the Twitter tells me, and I know that that absolutely has to be true. If I saw <laughs> it on Twitter, it must be true. <laughs> of course. I mean, I gotta tell you, maybe maybe you're different than me, but I and I don't I don't get into this too far because I'm not I'm not really a comic book guy. Like I I'm not good at like you know understanding comics. Uh, because I don't have enough background, but I got to tell you, the DC movies seem like, like kind of a mess. Like, like they're they're trying to find their way, you know. Like, like they, they they got it right with Wonder Woman, and and they got it. It looks like they're getting it right with the the new Flash movie. Um, but it seems like you know the the stuff with. Uh, Superman and Batman has been kind of hit and miss. And then there was the whole thing where the justice league movie was redone. And, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs, but it just seems like there doesn't seem to be somebody operating this ship. I mean, what's your, do you have an opinion on all this? I don't, I just watch it. The worse it is, the more I enjoy it. <laughs> Well, I think that's a great attitude. <laughs> um, did you see Aquaman, by the way? I've seen Aquaman. I've seen Catwoman. Catwoman? Which Catwoman? Halle Berry. Halle Berry. I'm one of the few people who loves that movie. Did you love it? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, that's. I, I think that that movie is like, I mean, it's just top of the line crazy and awesome. I just love it. And they got all the right people, I think, 
Halle Berry is incredible. Uh, Sharon Stone is awesome. I just, I think it's great. <laughs> they had so many directors and so many um, people doing the cinematography. You can tell that everyone had the finger on everything. Kind of yeah. like uh, this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like at the beginning, you can see people just standing in the shadows. I'm like, I don't know how they lighted that. Like oh. they were half in the shadows and half out of the shadows. Yeah. This this episode, I guess we're going to, I would blame the director, but I didn't write his name down <laughs> because I, because I have to say, I, so when you do these classic TV podcasts, some people, um, you know, don't, don't necessarily talk about the backgrounds of certain actors. Some people go, go down the whole list of, you know, every person and what they've done. And I just feel like there's, there are so many minor characters who have basically the same resume. Like a lot of these people, you know, play supporting characters in a million TV shows and a couple of movies. And, you know, unless, unless they're really going to pop out at you, I guess I don't feel like going into it. I, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm still, you know, this is still, this is month number three, I think of me as a podcaster. So thank you for being patient with me. <laughs> uh, but, but that's, but that's, I'm, I'm just kind of hitting the highlights and the director. I remember looking at his credits and thinking, well, that's interesting, but not too interesting. So, so, so I didn't write his name down. Uh, but whoever he is, he needs better lighting, right? Well, I enjoy those lighting. Rem- reminds me a lot of the B movies. Yeah, you know my my uh, wife, who you met by the way. I was gonna I was gonna talk about her later because um, she was at that cosplay contest you were at at, at Con Carolinas. Um, but she calls this um, some of the um, some of the choices that are made in in these Wonder Woman episodes are very Ed Wood, you know, like Ed Wood directing, like. Like you could probably do another take and get it better because something moved that shouldn't move, but who's going to notice? Let's just move on. You know, (laughs) it's, you know, there, there's, there's only so much budget. So, and that's, and, and that's, I didn't write it down, but that is one of the things that I love about this particular episode. They've started to use the, the invisible plane. That's just a tiny plastic plane with a doll in it. And, and that's fine. It's almost maybe not noticeable on your small TV in the seventies, but in this episode, they did a cutaway. They did a close up, like they show the doll and then they close up on Diana because she's looking outside for some reason. Oh, she's, uh, she's uh, it's towards the end where she, after she drops Gargantua off and she's looking at his, you know, his, his new home and she's going to miss him. And and then they cut back to the wider shot of the doll. And when they do that, it's so painfully obvious that it's a doll. Um, but it's also really charming because <laughs> that's just one of the ways they're not going to spend the money to make that that plane shot look real. They're just not going to do it. <laughs> you know, I just realized that part where she's like, hey, uh, it's, here's your nice new home. I hope you enjoy it. And he's, she's just backing away really fast. And next thing you know, she's in a plane. And he's just waving at empty space. Yeah. I Yeah, because he, you're not supposed to be able to see the plane. <laughs> but Gargantua can, or at least 
he thinks he can or or maybe he senses it like maybe he's got like now he's got a connection to diana so so he he senses where she is <laughs> maybe maybe she was in such a hurry she forgot to uh, flip the switch to turn it on and off <laughs> <laughs> she's flying visible and doesn't know it whoops um so so let's backtrack uh before we get to the happy ending uh oh yeah so she talks about on paradise island we live in peace with the animals i think that's where i went off on my tangent but uh so the doc says hey don't worry i'm gonna deprogram gargantua and it's not gonna hurt him so wonder woman's satisfied and um so we go back to the secret hideout and erica crazy-eyed erica is uh you know now she's obsessed with getting gargantua back she's not gonna leave without him and and here's where we cut back to the research lab and suddenly Steve is still there but now he's with Diana instead of Wonder Woman. And the reason they did this I'm just realizing now the reason they do this is so that Diana while Steve and Herb Voland can't see her she goes up to Gargantua and and puts pulls her glasses down and looks at him and he can recognize that she's Wonder Woman. Like he knows she's Wonder Woman and he's super delighted about it because he loves her now. And and he reaches through the cage and puts his hand on her hand. And Steve's like, Oh, Diana, looks like you've made a friend. And you know, it's it's a it's a nice little comment. But but the thing is, the connection, the way Linda Carter acts it, and the way that that Mickey Morton acts it is really kind of nice. You know, it's very, I mean, he's got to do a lot of like, you know, super duper mime work to, to convey some of these emotions physically when he doesn't have the opportunity to have a close up where you can see in his eyes, you know? Um, but he, I think he just does a nice job. And uh, so it's kind of a touching moment where you realize that this bond is developing between Gargantua and Wonder Woman. So Diana and Steve leave and immediately Erica shows up with with Hans and um at first everything's all friendly because because she she has a famous father and Herb Voland uh Dr. Osmond you know recognizes right away oh yeah your father's like a super duper animal behavior guy <laughs> so so you must be cool even though the two of you have these german accents and we're at war with germany right now but uh, anyway, welcome to my lab. <laughs> so they come in and they, you know, uh, Hans overcomes him, you know, grabs him and she, she goes for Gargantua and she can see that Gargantua hates her now. And she's like, what's this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like, why, why is he mad at me? And so, you know, she's like, well, we're going to reprogram him. We're just going to reprogram him. Cause she's got that Nazi efficiency, you know, she's like, she doesn't even have feelings about the fact that this, this ape that has been with her his whole life and trained by her now despises her and, and she doesn't care. You know, this is, this is the problem with Nazis. They have no feelings. So, so they take Gargantua back and Erica. So her way of, and this is, maybe why she doesn't have like feelings about him. Her way of programming him is to hook him up to some who knows what machine, right? Like she's like, I'm going to need some special equipment. And the next shot, 
they've got like some kind of i don't know it's a tape deck or something and there's wires leading to gargantua and, and these little electrodes are you know stuck in him and and so she she says okay show him the picture and they've got this beautiful little black and white picture of oh, sir that's right and and it's wonder woman uh from the one of the previous episodes called uh beauty on parade where she wins this um beauty contest by default because she's wonder woman and so you know she's got her her beautiful tiara and her flowers and she looks just glowing even in this little black and white picture and and so Erica starts like, you know, working these knobs on this mystery machine and you can hear this sound effect and, you know, so, okay. So you're a prop guy. What in the world do you think, first of all, what's it supposed to be and what's it actually made out of? Sounds like some type of a uh, shock therapy. Yeah. So you think it's like total electrode kind of, yeah, she's just putting volts into him. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and does it look like, because it looks like it looks like one of those old consoles. I used to do sound at our theater in college, and they had all these, you know, goofy little sound units. Who knows what they did? You know, one one of them is just an amp, but it's got like three or four, you know, different controls for nothing. So it's it's like one of those vague machines. Who do, that does? Who knows what? And she's she's just pumping the volts into him as they're showing the picture. And what's weird is like, you know, like you're right. Like he, he uh, Hans is supposed to hold up the picture and he sets, he sets it down and she's like, hold it up, hold it up. Cause like, otherwise he's going to start looking at them and getting mad at them. Right. Like he's going to imprint, you know, negative vibes on them and go after them. So she, Hans has got to hold that picture up. So he holds it up and wiggles it. So anyway, we, we assume that uh, once Gargantua has had enough and he gets up and takes this machine and just smashes it through the table, he's programmed. <laughs> that's, that's her. I guess that's her answer. Like, you know, okay, now he's ready. <laughs> yeah. Gargantua stands up, breaks the chains that was tied on him, and throws everything at the people that reprogrammed him, and they just run away. Right, right. That's how, you know, that's a good, that's a good sign that he's ready. Like that's, you know, she's got to, she's got to lose all the equipment every time she has a success with him. So in the secret war radio room, Steve learns that uh, somebody, somebody in their network of, of, uh, you know, American uh, do-gooders, I don't, I don't know, uh, I guess, I mean, I guess Steve is part of uh, uh, an information and security team. Like, I, I forget, I forget the the name that Blankenship used, but it's like it's like some kind of internal security division or something. And anyway, Steve's got minions all over the place looking for this uh, headquarters um, because Higgins gave them locations. So anyway, he figures out that they're at the pier now. They're at some warehouse by the pier. And he tells Diana he's going. And uh, this is this is where she's, you know, she's like, she tries to go to. And he's like, no, 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 too dangerous. Uh, you're going to have to stay here. Do some filing. And so, and so she does her second transformation. And 
uh, Wonder Woman gets to the warehouse and we have this really super cool. We have two great stunts right here. Um, somebody, and they're not credited in IMDb. Um, the two primary stunt women were Kitty O'Neill and uh, Jeannie Epper. And I don't know which one, if either of them did this, but there's a great, you know, she's, she's climbing the rope up the wall of the warehouse. Like she, she throws her lasso up there and then climbs up and it's somebody really climbing as far as I can tell. I mean, maybe they did a Batman, but I don't think so because, because of the angle. So she actually climbs that rope, whoever the stunt woman is and gets to the top. And then she's looking down at everybody through a skylight. She's like doing a gargantua, you know, where she's just, she's waiting at the, <laughs> at the window. Right. And then decides to crash through the thing. And it's a great, it's a great stunt. Uh, I assume it's the same stunt person, although those are two very different stunts. So they might've had two different people do them. So then, you know, there's mayhem, there's fighting and wonder woman. Now let me, let me see if I can figure out the, uh, the order here. So she crashes through the skylight. Oh, and there's, this is that I, I did write down. Oh, this is where the, the theme comes in. They just, they just, they just lay down the theme wonder woman, you know, cause now she's kicking ass and taking names and she lassos Erica. So Erica can't go anywhere, but then gargantua, gets her and she and he's trying to crush her right and she flips him and now give me your opinion on this flip if you if you remember it because i have to believe from the effortless way that she flipped him that it was a dummy but this dummy if it's a dummy uh had more integrity like it it didn't seem floppy or anything it seemed like a real person but maybe a smaller person than Mickey Morton. They they did list in IMDb that there was a stunt person specifically for Mickey Morton. So that, that may have been the shot that they used it. But the flip uh, where Wonder Woman throws him is just awesome. Uh, it do looks you like a real person. Yeah, it does. It does. Even when uh, the hand like hits the ground, you can see the hand bounce back up and move. Oh, wow. I, di I didn't even notice that. Yeah, wow. So so that was a great stunt shot right there. And I don't so do you recall could you see Wonder Woman's face cuz I have I have to assume that that was a stunt person too. Um I can't. Okay. I mean it was probably a stunt person especially if the person being flipped was a guy uh in in the ape suit then it was probably a professional stunt woman throwing him. Because that was a good throw. I mean, that was probably out of these three stunts we've just been talking about. That one was the best one, I think. Or the or the most, that one, I I couldn't believe that they did it. Like, I I just went, wow. Because, you like, he's not landing on a mat. You can see how he lands, right? I don't, yep. th I don't, I don't think there's room for a mat. I think you can see him hit the, like you said, you could see his hand move. So and he lands flat on his back. Wow. Maybe they put padding in a suit. Oh, well, that is brilliant. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's that's like a great strategy. Awesome. All right, so so she flips him, and after she flips him, she runs to him and says, I'm really sorry I had to do that. I don't want to hurt you. And this is the scene. I swear, I don't know why. Maybe 
<laughs> maybe I'm having an emotional couple of days, but I just got I got weepy when she was so sweet and gentle with him and he appreciated it. He's like, you know, that flip must have knocked the programming out of him again because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't mad at her anymore. He was like, oh yeah, you're my friend and I really like you. That's awesome. And she's she's just, you know, like calming him down, making sure he's okay. And it's just a really sweet moment. And so Steve comes in and she's like, I'm sorry, the Nazis got away. And he's like, no, we, we caught him. It's fine. And so, uh, you know, All's well that ends well, right? Except that for some reason, and I don't know why this extra scene was in there, because you would think after all this, Wonder Woman would just take Gargantua back to the Congo, right? But I guess, you know, maybe they just wanted to show the scene where Gargantua is sent back to the circus And Wonder Woman sneaks into the circus and she's like, I can't stand the thought of you being here. So we're out of here. And she breaks the lock on his, on his cage and, and walks him out. And they, they both kind of like, you know, sneak out and, and big old Gargantua is like, is way bent over. Like he looks shorter than Wonder Woman. And I mean, Linda Carter is very tall, but, um, this guy is six foot seven, right? But he's like all hunched over, sneaking out with her. And yeah, you know, I thought he was a different actor. He's so short, much shorter. What? And it, it's possible that he was for that shot. I mean, maybe Mickey Morton, you know, was done and, and they wanted to add this shot because it does seem like an added shot. Like you could cut from, you know, from this last scene to her taking him to the, um, to the Congo. And I don't know why this extra scene is in there. But anyway, she sneaks him onto her plane and then takes him. Once again, they do the same weird map shot (laughs) to the, you know, this old timey map of Africa. And uh, we get to the Congo, which is no longer, by the way, a Nazi held territory, which it was in the first scene, um, because she wouldn't take him back to Nazi terrain, right? She would... She would take him, you know, someplace where he's going to be safe. Uh, but anyway, she gets him back home, you know, and they're they're in the jungle. And uh, she says, you know, you can be here with all your friends, which is a really sweet thing to say. Uh, and then and then, like you said, she just backs into the into the uh, the brush and she's gone. You know, the plane takes off. He waves at the air and she in style just backs away. <laughs> exactly that's right um and then and then she's she's out of there and there's a little scene uh of of steve and etta wondering where diana is and you know steve's worried about her it's not like her to just take off and etta says she um uh you know she 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 had to run an errand and uh and then diana comes back and says, i forget what her last line is it's like it's like i had to you know, I had to visit a friend or I had to take a friend, some drop a friend off or something. And, and she has this kind of pensive look and then somehow realizes uh, Gargantua is going to be okay. And then she gives you that trademark smile and the end. And there it is. So Frederick. Yes. Um, like I said, we met or I, I didn't actually meet you. I uh, my wife met you 
at Con Carolinas, and you were there with a Wonder Woman cosplay. Yes. So I want you to tell me all about that. It was the Kathy Lee Crosby 1975 Wonder Woman or 1974. I can't remember what year the movie came out, but it was that version. When uh-huh. I The first time I saw it, I was like, this is probably the most gender neutral Wonder Woman costume I've ever seen. And I always wanted to like uh, make it. Mm-hmm. So when I started making whips, um, Wonder Woman lassos for my friends, I was like, I'm going to make one. And after that one became two. Two became 14. Five of them glowed. Uh, a couple of them sparkled in the light. Then I was like, I've got a, this lasso. I'm going to make a costume to go with it. Wow. Now, let's let's backtrack a little. Um, uh, because I don't want to gloss over the like all those different lassos. Like, tell me, how did you make so so how did you make the uh the glow the glowing one? If you ever been to the Dollar Tree, you've seen that yellow mesh. Sometimes they have like green mesh, like um gold mesh, purple mesh, like during the holidays. And okay. I bought some okay. of that and I, I ran along some rope. Oh, okay. And I, that became my first lasso. So that, that was quick and easy. So I got some EL wire and did the same thing. Then after that, I tried uh, fiber optic. I've even tried um, LED wires or wow. LED string lights. And have you have you used any of those in in any other cosplays, or do you just ha- have them like ready at, just, at the ready? <laughs> I just have them. I'm down to like three. I've given them, given I think thirteen away as gifts. Oh, okay. So you give them away? Yeah. I make them and just so I don't have them cluttering up my space, I give them away. Okay. And so and so then what was the one that you settled on that um uh, that you then built the Kathy Lee Crosby costume? It was the movie accurate version, which is uh just a piece of gold string you get like uh you pull down curtains, mm-hmm. curtain string. Yeah. yeah. That's all that was. Oh wow, okay. Very cool. And so, and so you said it was, it was a gender neutral costume. Like you were not trying to, you know, portray a woman or necessarily a man, just, you know, a gender neutral, uh, cosplay. Yeah. I I got a a blonde wig, but the wig was dreadlocks. Yeah. I I remember that specifically. That was a really cool look. So tell me about some, tell me about, well, first of all, how did you, I mean, you talked a little bit about you've kind of gotten into cosplay through props. Uh, but tell me how it all started. Like, what was your first cosplay, and how did you get into that? My first cosplay play was uh, Joey LaForge in high school. And I started doing it for, for uh, high school plays and high school um, shows. Like, we had, like, these spirit shows. Like, we're trying to, you know, amp up our football players. I would go up on stage, and I start you know, hyping up everyone dressed as Joey LaForge with the visor and everything. But instead of having like the emblem on my lapel or my chest, it'll be the, um, I guess, the emblem for the school. It was duct taped to my chest. Okay. <laughs> so it looked like it was a uniform. Very cool. School. Um, so my wife says hi. She really loved meeting you, but she did want to apologize because... Um, so she was cosplaying. She was cosplaying uh, Maleficent uh, Dark Fae. And this was at Con Carolinas uh, when you were doing the the Wonder Woman cosplay. And 
you were standing in line and she was just told by somebody that, you know, you're kind of expected to do a little something when you get up there. Like you don't just show off the costume, but you've got to kind of do something. And she's like, what? (laughs) And so, and so she's spinning in her head, like, what am I going to do? And, and then you, you were talking to her about your cosplay and she, you know, she was really into what you were saying, but she was also worried that she looked like she was thinking about something else because, because she was worried that, that she had to do something. And she's like, I don't even know who this character is. I mean, it's like, it's a dark fae from Maleficent, but she didn't really have like a specific, you know, it wasn't from a specific like actor's portrayal in the movie. It was just more of a generic idea. That question got me too. Oh, did it? Did it? Yep. I can't remember. What did you wind up doing? I just went up to the middle and spun around. Just you did the spin. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm sorry. Uh. We left off at. Uh. So you were talking about even in high school you were doing cosplays for like you did Jordy, and instead of the insignia you had your high school logo, which is awesome. Um, so what what are other memorable cosplays that you've done? I've done uh, Spaceballs, but instead oh, no. of doing just a regular Spaceball outfit, I did the um, the guy that made sounds with his mouth. Yeah, yeah. But I went further than that, and I matched it up with Portal. So I had a Portal gun. Wow. And the Portal gun says, Spaceballs, the Portal gun. <laughs> that is cool. That is awesome. And and again, that's built around a great prop. That's cool. All made out of wood. Oh, wow. So I think we've talked about that. I, one of the questions is, what's what's the sort of activity focus of your cosplay? Like, is it for charity? Is it generally just for cons these days? Or do you have other outlets where you, uh, where you cosplay? Just for uh, photography. Okay, okay. Um, with my Wonder Woman costume, for example, it was, I think, February or I think it was, may have been January, but I went out to the mountains to take a, like, do a photo shoot. Right. And this, right. this is probably the most memorable, memorable story I've had about this, you know, dressing up as this character. Well, I had, I had to uh, scale this mountain to take this picture. So I'm climbing really? this mountain. Yeah. Wow. With all my gear, dressed as Wonder Woman. And I meet a hiker. (laughs) This is like eight, nine o'clock in the morning. And we start talking about how he, this is, he's retired and this is what he wants to do. Just go around to different trails and hike. I'm like, this is what I'm doing. This is fun. I'm, you know, dressing up, cosplaying and just taking pictures on the mountain. And it's like, yeah, I got to hurry up and get up there before the light disappears. And I get up to the very top and set up my camera and everything. And I just, you know, start taking pictures for a couple hours while the sun's like around 12 noon. So you didn't have a photographer with you. You you took the pictures yourself. I used my phone and used the wireless feature on it. And I just took a picture of my phone. Wow. I and... almost lost my camera off the mountain. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and did you make it back before dark or were you hiking in the dark? Well, I wasn't there long. I was maybe there to two or three. That's when the light started, you know, going away. Okay. Started getting really bad shadows. Oh, and are there are there things about doing cosplay that uh that have surprised you that you kind of didn't expect? 
just being able to make anything that I see come to life. That's cool. So have you have you run into something where you've tried to to fabricate something or emulate something and and you just couldn't couldn't get it all or the time? You, oh, all the time. <laughs> like the one I'm working on now, I spent two hours staring at the wall last week trying to get this one curve right, and I'm I'm using paper. Uh huh. And the armor is completely made out of paper. I'm trying to develop this entirely new technique. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've been following. I'm, I'm not sure I've seen all your photos, but I've, I've been following, uh, the one that you've been building, and I can't figure out what it is, because, because it's you're, a- you're still, you've still got basic elements that you're, you know, like you did all those, um, those sort of wood chunk shapes into a yep. ring, and I don't know what that is. If you follow the, uh, the Heimdall one, I go back and reorganize it so it's all. Like one portion is this part of the costume, one portion is this part of the costume. But as I'm crafting it, you can see it's here's a picture of this section. Here's a picture of this section. Oh, okay. I may have missed those because I was I was looking at these elements and I'm like, what is he building? What could this be? So now I have to go back and see. Yeah. Now, and and so, this is 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 it all on Facebook or do you have an Instagram? Well, I have my ideas that i'm normally working on on facebook but the one that i have my completed projects on is my tumblr account so if people want to find you on tumblr uh how do they do that it's going to be bard tank just like dnd okay you got a okay. bard you got a tank gotcha gotcha <laughs> i understand now um okay so that's cool um Oh, let's talk about um uh, just specifically about Wonder Woman. Um, uh, because you know, that's what our podcast is. Do you do you find because it's it's interesting? I didn't I didn't peg that cosplay until you said it, um, that it was the Kathy Lee Crosby version, which of course it is, now that I now that I look at it and you know understand that. But have you I mean, obviously you've seen the the Linda Carter series. Um, do you find her an inspiration? Um Compared to over Linda uh, Carter? I mean, yeah. Do you find Linda Carter to be an inspiration? I find the character in general to be an inspiration, no matter who's playing the character. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even Ellie Wood. Wasn't that the first? Yes. One? <laughs> yes. Even Ellie Wood. You know, she's going to be, she's going to be at a con. She's going to be talking about, uh, she's going to be at a nostalgia con. And she's going to be talking about that um, that crazy pilot that they did. Uh, that's that's interesting that you you know so you know about her. Oh yeah, you know about all the all the Wonder Woman. <laughs> Even the unaired pilot that was between Gal Gadot and Linda Carter. Uh, was that? Um, oh, I forget her name. She's on. Uh, she's on the Orville right now. Yep, that's her. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen pictures, but I've never, I've never seen any clips or anything. I was able to uh, view the unaired pilot. What did you think? Oh, I enjoyed it. So, so tell me about it. What, what, what was the plot line? She had three identities. One identity was, of course, Wonder Woman, and believe it or not, the Wonder Woman character was like the business character. Then she had Diana Prince. And she had another character. What what was that character? Just wait, no, just... I got it backwards. Oh, that's the character that was in charge of the the company. 
because she she had her own oh. company okay. and she was like marketing all her toys and everything okay so and i think and that she was, was on secretary or something but it, it wasn't really <laughs> they didn't so really explain much to of it she played the boss and the secretary i think so <laughs> wow well that's i mean that's interesting you know i mean i they probably felt like they had to come up with some some new angle but that's that's fascinating i mean i like i like that actor um and i like her in the orville and i feel like i just saw her do something else that i that i really liked um so that would have been really interesting to see i'm i'm glad you got to see that is there anything that you wanted to talk about that you that we haven't touched on yet? Not that I can think of. I I remember watching Wonder Woman with my father when I was younger, but mm-hmm. I didn't really start catching up on all the episodes again until I was in college. Mm-hmm. I go get off from um, my classes and come home really quick, and you know, watch one hour and then go back to my classes. Yeah, I uh, I didn't really. I I watched it when I was a kid, uh, but I didn't really. I wasn't like a faithful viewer until uh, until maybe after it was in reruns. And then I forgot about it. And then uh, it came back on me TV, like in the last five years. And I started watching it and I'm like, this is amazing. I love this show. <laughs> and I remembered watching it as a kid and and being in love with it. Like I was absolutely in love with Linda Carter. She's, you know, just so beautiful. But anyway um so well frederick thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast i really appreciate you you know talking about all this stuff thank you and uh so we talked about where people can find you online you prefer they go to the um uh the tumblr is probably the best place to to go awesome and uh maybe i'll see you at con carolinas i'm trying to figure out if i can if i can go there yeah i'm hopefully trying to be there this year and if I can be there this year, um, someone might have a gift. Oh, wow. <laughs> In the form of a staff. Wow. Very cool. From an, uh, Maleficent. Oh, really? Wow. Yep. I, I just got to figure out how to do the resin ball and run all the LEDs and find the right type of wood. Wow. Well, thank you. Um and I will I'll be talking to you I really appreciate your you know giving your time thank you a great big thank you to Frederick be sure and check out his Tumblr and Instagram at Bard Tank the links will be in the show notes now we've got some great episodes coming up fantastic guests and listen if you'd like to be one if you're a Wonder Woman cosplayer who loves Linda Carter and who doesn't I would love to have you on the show so Email me through the link at our website. That's WonderWomanWednesdays.com. You'll find links to all our previous episodes and special editions. And you'll find links to my favorite podcasts, including Made for TV Mayhem, which has emerged out of its own semi-hiatus with some great episodes, including a Monty Markham episode that breaks down a great Linda Carter TV movie called Hotline. So check it out. Join us next time. And... Be kind whenever possible. It is always possible.